following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. I want to thank uh, Pastor for the opportunity to preach this morning. It's, it's very humbling to stand in the podium and, and share God's words with people, so I thank you. And, and one thing, I, I was debating whether to say this or not, but Cindy <clears throat> made an observation this week. She said, you know, you've studied for this um, message more than you did when you were working on your dissertation. <laughs> Uh, and I've been excited because speaking with Pastor Colin during uh, on Friday and today uh, and Saturday, there's just it just open, the words are just flowing out when you look at it. So if you get anything out of the message this morning, it's this. I'll give you a summary. It's a very quick sentence. It's John introduces the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ by calling people to repentance. Now. <clears throat> Excuse me. I came across this just the other day, and I I think it's a good illustration. I I don't tell illustrations or humorous illustrations to to elicit uh, chuckles and laughter, but rather they should be convicting, and I believe this illustration will. Um, It goes like this. It's a parody of Psalm 23. The TV is my shepherd. My spiritual growth shall want. It makes me to sit down and do nothing for his sake. It requires all my spare time. It keeps me from doing my Christian duty. It precedes so many good show, or produces so many good shows that I must see. It restores my knowledge of the world. It keeps for me the study of God's word. It leads me in the path of failing to attend worship and doing nothing for the kingdom of God. Yea, though I, live, I may live to be a hundred years old, I shall view my TV as long as it works. It seems to be my closest companion. Its sounds and pictures comfort me. It provides entertainment for me and keeps me from doing the important things with my family. It fills my head with ideas which differ from God's will. And surely because of all the wasted hours, there will be a lack of rewards. Yet because of his goodness and his mercy, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Think about it. How much time do we spend not only just watching television, but in things of the world that take us our minds away from God's will? And in this morning, this message I think is probably one of the more important ones. And Cindy will tell you, I'm not a real fire and brimstone kind of guy, but she said in all the years she's heard me preach, this is like the most fire and brimstone I get. So that's a warning, and it's not going to be very many. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, if you would, we're going to go, our verses today are uh, Luke chapter 3, uh, verses 7 to 14. So if you would, if you if you turn with your Bibles, it will be on the screen. Let's, let's read this together. Verse 7. Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit, worthy fruits, worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from the stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. 
Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So people asked him, what shall we do then? And he answered saying to, uh, to them, he who has two tunics, let him give one to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Then the tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse them falsely and be content with your wages. You know, we've discussed this in Get Ready This Morning. And Pastor and I, when you think of John the Baptist, you know, what do you think? Uh, There's a movie, I forget which one it is, and John the Baptist comes out of the wilderness, and he's in his camel hair coat and his leather belt, and his hair's all wild and crazy, and he's got these wild eyes. Well, Pastor and I, and we shared this and get ready this morning, we don't really think that's a accurate portrayal of... uh, of John the Baptist. You've got to remember, John the Baptist, you know, when it's, I think the movie I, I'm talking about, I remember he looked like an older, older gentleman. John the Baptist was 30 years old in six months. He was six months older than Jesus. You know, he, he, he was, he might have been eccentric, I'll give you that, because honey and locusts doesn't sound like something I'm real keen on eating myself. And he might have been disheveled, but he, he, he wasn't screaming. Rather, I think he was quite the opposite. He was forceful and he asked hard and pointed questions to the people. You know, last week, Brother Rob told you that the word of God came to John. That, that's a specific statement. It means that the spirit of God came to John with a message for the people. And that was a common phrase in the Old Testament when a prophet was given a message. And to give John some real credibility, true credibility, in Matthew, Jesus states that John the Baptist is the greatest of the prophets. So John was a force to be reckoned with. John the Baptist calls for genuine repentance. Pastor Colin, myself, I I want you to have genuine repentance genuine repentance also calls for a genuine message and i believe john the baptist clearly accomplishes that here in this in, in this short person of time if you look at verse 7 it says he said therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized him by him you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come a little bit of social commentary today, but there are some ministers of the gospel, pastors, that have forgotten who it is that they preach. Jesus Christ is the one true God. He is the great I am. The great I am. I've heard of churches, and this is, this is true, where a pastor has been forced to leave because during one of his mentions, he mentioned hell. Other was that I know was asked to leave his his pastorate because he called sin sin. 
Now, I can only imagine this morning, anybody watch the television guys? <clears throat> you watch David Jeremiah or Charles Stanley and things like that. Could you imagine a pastor of one of these mega churches? If the pastor looks out over the congregation that's full of visitors and he yells out, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now, I can almost guarantee you, not only would the deacons and the personnel committee call an emergency meeting to discuss the fastest way to remove that pastor, but many people in the church, faithful church members, would swear they would never return because the pastor was judgmental. This morning, folks, I'm going to be completely honest with you and completely transparent with you. I am not judgmental by nature. I just believe God's word. I believe God's word. And, and we see in verse 3 of, of Luke 3, just prior to this event, John has been traveling all over the area telling people to repent. And the fact that he was preaching repentance tells us that he was preaching to whom? Sinners. We have to remember he was preaching to everyday common people, but there in this setting here, there was also some very important religious leaders. There was Pharisees and Sadducees. There were soldiers, which were really, the, uh, more precisely, the temple guard. So why would John insult the people he was trying to reach when they showed up to hear him? And we find the answer really in verse 8. He says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Wow. John's saying we must realize our need for repentance. You know, there were people who showed up to hear John because they heard his preach or his preaching and they were curious. And they didn't fully understand what was required of them. And John probably recognized this for a few, uh, a few reasons. First, he, he had not personally told the group of people that he was speaking to about the need of repentance. He, he hadn't said anything to them. But then he asked them in verse 7, who warned them to flee? And that question kind of carries with it the idea that he was not the one that told them that. He didn't tell them to leave. Also, his statement in verse 8 says, I think it would seem to say that maybe he heard some of them boasting about their pedigree, the fact that they were Jews, the son of Abraham, as if because of that they had the secret handshake and the Dakota ring and they didn't need repentance. You know, many people across our country today are in churches this morning and they'll hear about repentance. And they might even say to themselves, I have no need for repentance. My mother and father, they built this church. Or, you know, I've been reading the Bible longer than the preacher's been alive. My favorite one is, I was here before you, Pastor, and I'll be here after you. <laughs> you all heard that one before. I have. Had a little old lady tell me that. <laughs> John did not want to hear any of that. He says, don't give me excuses. He says, give me your lives. My friend, God can take the rocks, and there's plenty of them out here, by the way. Joseph and I and Marty found them one day. 
they're outside this building, and God can create the children of the parents who built this building. He can create people out of rocks who have read the Bible all their lives. Nothing's impossible with God. In verse 9, he explains why these things are not good enough. He's, you know, basically he's saying we have to repent before it's too late. Because he says, and this is crucial, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Brothers and sisters, I have something very important to tell you this morning, and please take this to heart. Jesus Christ is coming. He is returning. And, and there will be no rules for any of those who believe that their heritage or their pedigree can save them. That's not that. John tells the crowd that this family tree is about to be cut down, and everyone who is found clinging to it will be thrown into the fire. You know, after studying this, this this struck me to the very core, my very core. If God will cast the children of his chosen nation into the fire for their sins, how much more will he judge those who live in sin and deny that he is God? Really, think about that. You know, folks, one day... You and I will die. And on that day, if we're found to be a tree which does not bear good fruit, we will be cast into the fire. The people who are listening to John that day, they didn't make any excuses. If you look at verse 10, the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? When they realized that they were in danger of being thrown into the fire, they asked him, What shall we do then? You know, that's an important question. And I don't know if you, I'm sure you all study the Bible very, very intently, but that question is asked between the book of Luke and the book of Acts. That question is asked five times. And I'm always of the mindset that if it's repeated once in the Bible, that's real important. That's like, God, do I have your attention now? Here God's asking It's important. It's kind of like, underline that. Write that down. Let me think. You know, many pastors, and I'm sure Pastor Colin feels this way, he has a loss, he has a heart for the lost, and he prays for a time when people fear God, and they ask that question, what then shall we do? I once read, and, and I've really tried hard to find the author of this, and it, it might just well be me. But uh, I once read that the greatest lie that Satan ever told man is that he's not real. Do you see this? And the concept is that once man began to believe that Satan was not real, it's not too long before man decided that God wasn't real. You know, if you if we tell a, a person or a man or a woman, if they're going to, Go to a Disneyland-like or a Never Neverland-like type of place when they die. That person's likely to believe you as if, just as much as if you were to tell them that he was going to go to hell. And the unfortunate result of that is that many people will die and go to hell for eternity. Every minute 
someone around the planet is dying. And there's a large percentage of those people who are going to hell. That pains me. You know, I, I pray for the missionaries. They have, they're there to tell people. It says, go, teach. You know, there's no excuse. The missionaries are out there spreading the gospel. And, and thank God for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Because without God, the Holy Spirit, it's unlikely that anyone in our culture would receive Christ. And yet here's the amazing thing. God still has chosen to give all of humankind free will. And what does man do? We use this free will to turn away from God. And it's happened ever since the beginning of time. Adam. Adam disobeyed God's command. Even though he was in the perfect place, and he was able to personally fellowship with God one-on-one. But what happened? Evil came into the world, and it resulted in the fall. And we live in a time now, and I believe this to be true, this, was, this nation was once called a Christian nation. I don't believe, honestly, we can say that today. If we would, these abortion clinics wouldn't be open. But we live in a time when man will reject the Holy Spirit of God because they say it's just an emotional experience and that has no place in a rational man's mind. Slide, please. Let me tell you this. Jesus Christ is real. Sin is real. Hell is real. True salvation is real. We have to allow God to use us where we are right now. Very quickly, I, I want to just go over what verses 11 to 14 talk about. They, they basically, he's asked what to do with excess. The tax collectors say, what should we do? And the, and the soldiers say, what should we do? Told you I was going to be honest, transparent. Take this for what it's worth. I'm going to give you a challenge. How many of you have extra clothes in your closet? How many of you have a fully stocked pantry? You can raise your hand or not. I don't care. It's, up to, it's, it's probably the Holy Spirit hitting you right here. Wait until I give you the kicker. You, you might have extra stuff in your house. How many TVs do we have? Does people need three TVs in five rooms? No. Whatever excess you have, whatever you have, extra food or extra stuff, this afternoon, go into your closet or your pantry or your garage and share that with people. Put it in, the, put it in your car. You're driving down the road, you see that homeless person out there looking like they've been in the same clothes for a month, throw them out a shirt. You know, have a little baggie. We used to do that when I was a pastor at Greenwood. A little baggie that was full of like Vienna sausages and crackers and toothpaste and a toothbrush and a little quart bag of a baggie. Keep those in your car. You come to have a nutrition bar in it so, and some Skittles. They like Skittles. Because um, I like Skittles. That's why they went in the bag. But when you come to a stoplight and someone says, hey, you know, I'll wrestle for food or give me your money or whatever, instead of giving them money, give them something. Give them something tangible. 
True repentance is to turn to God. To God. And you know, there's a lot of truth in that statement, but I've been thinking about it actually, that maybe it's not the proper or more accurate definition of the world. Word. So I, I did a word study on the word repent. And in the Hebrew and the Greek, behind the English word, it can be translated this, if you had went to a translator. Change, turn back, turn around. And those words imply that the simple act of turning is reflective of a change of heart and mind. Repentance prepares the way for Jesus to come into our, our heart. So as I was thinking about it, I've come to the conclusion that the more proper definition of change or repentance is a change of mind. You have to change your head. you got to get rid of the stinking thinking. You've all heard that before? You know what I mean? And it's not a change of mind like when we get out here, I might say to Cindy, you know, I want to go to Burger King, and I'm driving down. I said, I don't know, there's a McDonald's over there. So I'm going to change my mind and go there. It's not that kind of change. It's a change where I changed my mind that I wanted to live for myself, and now I live for Jesus Christ. The idea of turning to God still remains true, but it carries with it the idea of turning your mind towards God, not for a temporary change, but that it's changed forever. In verse 11, we see the person who has more than he needs. He changes his mind and he starts sharing with those in need instead of getting as much as he can for himself. In verse 12 and 13, we see people who were dishonest and they're changing their mind and they become honest. And in verse 14, we see people who are abusing their authority or their influence in such a way that they cause harm to other people. So they change their mind and they become good stewards of their influence. I'm going to give you a Dr. Fred definition. This is what a PhD gets you. You get to say the Dr. Fred definition. <laughs> it's about the only time. But anyway, I was thinking about what is true Christianity. In true Christianity, there is no salvation apart from repentance. And there is no repentance apart from a changed mind. Y'all tracking me here? You know, John the Baptist was given an awesome responsibility from birth. From birth. And he was to prepare the way for the Lord. He didn't choose and ask people for money to support his ministry. He, he didn't say, hey, uh, I need a, a big meal. Do one of you sainted women want to cook me a meal? He chose not to tell people that... He chose... Uh, to tell people that Jesus was coming back, but he didn't say everything was going to be okay. Jesus is going to come back, but it doesn't mean everything's okay. And John, that's not a popular message, John served his purpose of doing this even to the point of death. He told people to repent of their sins. The other day, Pastor Colin and I were talking, and he said, Fred, when you preach, remember you should always answer the three W's. The who, the what, and the why. So if you've been tracking me this morning, who's the who? John the Baptist. What's the what? Repentance. And what's the big why? 
Because Jesus is coming. I want to get very real and very intimate with you this morning. And, and I really, I say this so much. I beg you to consider the following questions. Have you experienced genuine repentance or a change of mind in your life? Have you realized your need for repentance? I shared this with Pastor and he said, you should tell everybody this story. When I was in the Marine Corps, uh, I had, was on a general staff. Uh, he was a three-star general. And I had just come back from Desert Storm, March 15th, March 17th, I'm sorry, 1991. And uh, this was before Christ, it was B.C. And being a Marine, I was a good Marine, hard fighting, hard drinking, hard loving. And I got snot slinging drunk at the Officers Club at Cadena Air Force Base and got picked up less than from here to the parking lot for a DUI. The good thing about having a, being on a staff, sometimes you get bennies and sometimes you don't. My general's nickname was Hammer and Hank. So not only I had captain's mast with my company commander, I had general mast, a three-star general, and there's only like, at that time, only four of them in the Marine Corps. So he was like almost God. And uh, I got called into his office. And uh, he kicked everybody out. And he sat down in the chair. He said, sit down. I sat down. And he had big hands. I have small hands, but he had big hands. And he held my hand. And in a very soft voice, because I'm expecting to be chewed out royally, Hammer and Hank, he says, what you did was wrong. Do you know that? I said, yes, sir, I, I, I do. I, I, I put, betrayed a trust. He said, you know, I could ruin your career right now. I could get you kicked out of the Marine Corps. You got almost 16 years in. You're four years shy of retirement. You've done well in your, your, in your, your, your endeavors, but you screwed up. I'm sorry. What purpose would be served? And he saved my career. He did give me a, a, a little slap behind me. I tell you that story because I was repentant to the general. God is so much more powerful and so much more authority. And as though I can go to a three-star general in awe, I should be in, in just total awestruck mode thinking that I can talk to God one-on-one -on -one, and I can say, God, you know, I really messed up here today. And he'll say, okay, Fred, just don't do it again. That, that's such an awesome thing, such an awesome feeling. We need to remember this. And I'm not going to hurt your feelings. But at one time or another, we were all a brood of vipers. And we talked this morning and the other day, why do you use the word viper? He could have used garden snake. Could have used rat snake. 
He said viper, which is a poisonous snake. Because at times we poison our lives and other people's lives by what we do. We have all been, and I'll raise my hand, I've been a liar. I have been a deceiver. I've done all of that. And I'm sure most of you are honest in your heart right now. You're saying, ditto. Or as Rush would say, mega ditto. You know, our Christian example, hear me on this, our Christian example must be one of truth rather than one of deception. If you were to die today, what would you carry with you to get to heaven? I would submit you have to be ready to go with empty hands, trusting in Christ alone. You know, you can't bring your tithe report. You can't bring your tax return saying, I gave this much to charity, I give this much to mission. That means nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know, you've heard the old saying, there's, there's no U-Haul behind the hearse, right? Exactly. Except the trust in Christ. So, I don't know. Are you still making excuses? Because Satan is real. He is real. Are you willing to allow God to use you where you are today? The, what I, I'm going to put a slide up in a minute, but it talks about the change, especially when you put it in the concept that John was preaching to common people. He had Pharisees and Sadducees here who were, as pastor said this morning, taken. they were sent out from the Sanhedrin to find out what this guy was all about. He's causing a rabble. They took out the temple guards with them. All right? And tax collectors, the most despised people on the planet next to the temple guard. And he says you need to change. Change from this to this. He's telling us that becoming a Christian does not mean that you leave your position in life. He wasn't telling the tax collector, give up being a tax collector. He wasn't telling the temple guard to give up being a temple guard. What he was saying, it does mean that you use your position in life to serve Christ. He says, don't stop doing what you do, but with integrity and the love of God, be content with what you do. And that's crucial. There are people who, oh, I can't do this anymore because uh, I don't think it honors God. Well, that might be the case. You know, same token, does that mean everyone in the military should not be in the military? No, they live a Christian life in the military. It's possible. Does that mean, I don't even know who the tax collector here in Pinellas County, I know they got a lot of money from me in the last six months, but uh, (laughs) probably should know her name. (laughs) But, you know, Does that mean she should give up her job because she's taking money and collecting taxes? No, because they're doing it the right way. It's fair and equitable. They're not saying, well, Alice, I'm going to charge you uh, 10 shekels and I'm going to charge you 15. And because I really like your guitar playing, 
I'm only going to charge you five. He didn't do that. I like yours too, Marty. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you see what I'm? You see my point here? So let's go back to the whole start of this thing. What was John's purpose? He was to introduce the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ by calling people to repentance. Morning. Can I ask you all to bow your heads right now and just pray with me? Father Lord, I, I don't know the state of people's hearts, and you do. And Lord, I just ask this morning that you, you use this message to touch people's hearts and use it as a tool that people can take this message as simple as it was and share it with other people so that they know that you are God. And one of the things we have to do to accept you is to confess that we are sinners. Lord Jesus, as we're about ready to go into the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, I pray that we take this message to heart. 1 Corinthians 11 talks about examining our hearts. Father Lord, I just ask for the Holy Spirit to enter this place and do just, just touch each and every one of us in a special way. And it's your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.